Welcome to Youth Ministry Small Church, a podcast with the most obvious mission statement in iTunes. We're here to help equip youth workers and small churches to do ministry that makes the big churches jealous. Listen, teaching well comes more naturally to some of us than others. However, even if you're good at it, there's still room to improve. For most of us, there's uh, for most of us there's room to improve pretty dramatically. Most of us didn't get much training on how to teach well, and so we really struggle. Fortunately, there is a lot of good help available to youth workers on how to teach more effectively. When I started in youth ministry, my very first series of youth group lessons was about the already but not yet kingdom of God. It was inaugurated eschatology, as I understand it. And I think the way I understand this is crazy helpful in real life. It's a way of understanding Christianity that makes so much of the rest of the world make sense. It's a way of seeing how God relates to the present world and how we should too. It makes all these parts of Christianity that seem unrelated, all of a sudden they like snap into focus into one coherent whole. I really like this theological idea. The trouble is, I taught it like a seminary class. I had like reasonably funny PowerPoints, but basically I stood up front and lectured for like 30 minutes for four or five weeks straight. Now listen, what I was saying was great. I'm convinced the content of that lesson was fantastic uh, because I can see youth who uh, picked up this idea. I could see what it meant in their life. However, I was a really crummy teacher. Here's the thing. Most youth are pretty interested in learning the things that we want to teach. Most youth are even interested in healthy discipleship. You know, they know they need to grow and they don't mind some help in doing that well. But we have to teach in ways that are helpful to the students. It's not enough to have good content. We also have to be good teachers. We have to be better at leading discussions, things like this. And the more that we can understand how humans learn, the more we can adapt the way we act to package our lessons differently. Today we talk with Terry Linhart, who's been training youth workers for decades. He's one of the most well-known speakers on Christian leadership, and he's written a stack of books on youth ministry. This interview with Terry is an excellent overview of what good teaching looks like. He gives good, concrete tips that help us to see what we're doing more clearly. And maybe more helpful than the concrete tips themselves, Terry is also great about explaining why he's making certain concrete suggestions. That, of course, helps you figure out if the concrete tip isn't helpful, uh, you at least see his way of thinking, and it helps us to think more effectively. But before we get to Terry, let's hear from this week's sponsor, Inalienable. Inalienable is a human rights nonprofit that works with migrant farmers in Baja, California, Mexico. They also have a week-long trip in July designed for youth ministries. The fact that they're a human rights NGO and not a short-term missions agency makes their trip really interesting. It's important to me to give my youth a valuable mission experience, one that makes a real difference. That's why every year I partner with a nonprofit called Inalienable that's doing fantastic work with the migrant community in Baja, California. 
Baja 2018 is an opportunity for your students to see real injustice and be part of the solution. In the past, I've struggled with short-term mission trips that don't truly change lives and seem to teach young people that service is all about themselves. But that never happens with Inalienable. Because Inalienable has real relationships with the community, my youth develop real relationships with the community. My youth actually do work that actually impacts other people. My youth learn the value of actually living for others. I've taken my youth group with Inalienable Missions for three years now, and we're going again this summer. During Baja 2018, we will implement projects that identify local assets and close the gaps that separate the migrant community from local resources. When resources become accessible, the invisible become visible. Learn more and register at www.inalienable.life and like them on Facebook. Hey everybody, I want to introduce you to Terry Linhart. Terry is involved in all kinds of really interesting stuff, um, but maybe I should just let him talk about that. Terry, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> well, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, I, uh, you know, you, it's an interesting dynamic. You set out on on life, and you say, "All right, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go." And he sometimes will say, "Do you want to stay? I want you to stay here." You know, and so <laughs> I'm still uh, living in Northern Indiana, thinking that uh, someday I'd be where the sun shines more frequently, and uh, and I never envisioned I'd be teaching teaching at the college level, because when I was in college, uh, if there was a microphone and a stage, I would be there, you know, and studies were optional. But uh, God has a grand sense of humor, and yeah. uh, scripture is uh, just full of uh, similar stories. And so, yeah, we've, we've uh, taken quite a journey through the years, and yet my heart is still in youth ministry. I grew up in a small rural church, and uh, I still am involved with uh, young people on a weekly basis and, uh, and love it. So uh, I teach at Bethel College in South Bend, yes. Indiana. And started the youth ministry major there, and now I added a worship arts major, and now I oversee graduate ministry and more programs. Uh, so my hands in that and developing people for ministry, and uh, love it. Do do some writing and coaching on the side now, uh, in my old age, and <laughs> uh, but still. Uh, involved uh, deeply with youth ministry, and actually, uh, I think um, we're going to be revising one of the talk sheets books that I did that's done really well for middle school ministry, and uh, excited to, to be able to do that again. Yeah, you've written a, you've written a few books that are really helpful in youth ministry. Um, maybe we can talk about some of those later. One of those is uh, teaching the next generations. Um, can you talk about that book for a minute? You bet. Yeah. So this is a book that we would really recommend everybody getting. And it, it, it's, it looks a little daunting because it does uh, feel like a textbook, but it's not written like a large textbook. It's written by, it's written in a way where each chapter is a standalone resource. Uh, yeah. And so I did that on purpose. It's written by a who's who list of youth ministry thought leaders from across the country writing in their particular expertise. And so um, it's cheap, too, for a book that has basically 27 mini books in it. Uh, you can get it if you go to terrylinhart.com slash TNJ for Teaching Next Generations. Uh, they'll be able to go right to the Amazon site and pick that up. And I think mm -hmm. it's one of those books you just keep on your shelf. Use it as a resource when you feel stuck. Hey, here's a topic on how to lead a discussion really well, written in a very accessible way by people who know what they're talking about. That's great. I think that a lot of times that is uh, having resources like that that you can just go to and get a quick, dirty introduction to is is super helpful, especially for new youth workers who uh, oh yeah learn so many things. Yeah, I had two frustrations. When, I mean, I got 
carte blanche to kind of edit the book as I wanted. And I, I get frustrated when I pick up a book like that. And then the first five chapters are about the history of this or the psychology of this. And I just wanted the book to be about teaching, you know, teaching this, the Bible, teaching teenagers, young people, even children, the next gen. We have chapters on that in there, working with families, all the relevant conversations are in there. And yeah, I didn't want chapters that were like 8,000, 9,000 words long either. I, you know, I just know today we want things delivered, you know, quicker. And so that's how the book's formatted. Yeah, that's great. So you were talking about uh, teaching and teaching tips. Um, and so we invited you on the podcast to to talk about that mostly. So may, let me just ask you, what, uh, what tips do you have on how to teach well in a small youth ministry setting? Well, yeah, and it's uh, uh, not just small settings, but any youth setting. I just think there's some fundamental things that, that we can do, and I'm just going to pack it full. This is the, this is, I was warning you, this is my area. So I just, <laughs> I, I love it. So um, if I were coaching someone to say, um, you know, the reality is sometimes we do this teaching thing with youth and we go, we go, you know, we just beat our head against the wall going, am I making any difference? Can I get through? And some nights when I'm done teaching, I just go, oh, that didn't go so well. And why? And so when I unpack it, there are these fundamental, uh, realities we have to have when we teach. And so that's, this is kind of like my boot camp for that. So the first one is you have to have an aim. You have to be able to say, as a result of this lesson, students will, or young people or children will blank. And it's, the onus then is on what will they do? What will they feel? Or what will they know uh, when they're done with the lesson? And that's, that seems like, okay, we do that, but we don't. Because if I ask people often in a seminar, and I do a lot of seminars to help churches teach, you know, volunteers teach at all levels, and we can talk about that later. Um, I say, hey, write a, write a name, and and the aim often is. Uh, students will engage or hear something, you know, or I will present something. And that's not a good aim. The aim is then on our presentation, our performance rather than on their learning. And so that's why I think we start there, have a name, and then you know whether you hit the target or not. That's a, that's a, seems pretty obvious, but, but it I does, don't do but that. Man. But when I'm, when I am off, and I uh -huh. go back, that's what usually is off, is that okay. the aim is um, is not is not well stated. And okay. so that's the first thing. And so the second tip then is to once you have your aim is to start working backwards and to say, OK, how do I get there? And there's three little rules here. And the first one is think in sevens. Don't go seven minutes doing the same activity. Too often we think, hey, I'm going to sit here and talk for 30, 35 minutes, and you're going to sit and listen, and then we hope we, we, we did well. And I think if you break up your time together in seven, so start off with the first seven. And if we go with the traditional hook, book, look, took in the first seven, how do I get people to be engaged? Uh, you know, and then the middle seven, you know, that may be the primary you know, I want your full attention during these seven minutes. And you may do a, a talk. I love discussion. Uh, for me, uh, youth workers, that ought to be the primary method to know how to shape three or four really good questions to get students to, to, to bridge the gap. And when I say bridge the gap, what I mean is students are naturally curious 
And they really are. They, they're not apathetic. They do want to learn something. We just may not be teaching them something that, that in a way where we, we help them show that there's a gap between what they don't know or, or don't understand to what they do know. And, and Jesus was a master teacher at this. With you know, he, he was able to, to help connect what even the, the context and the setting and you use it as an analogy. So then the last seven, and I think sometimes, and you can have another one and you can do 28 minutes or whatever, but just thinking in sevens is in the final seven, I just have a two step, uh, application process. Uh, I did a research project with InterVarsity uh, around the world, actually, with them two summers ago with my research company. And um, and what we found with their small group Bible studies was the application often was uh, uh, there was not enough time for it at the end, like it was underserved. And uh, this was fairly consistent in all the universities and all the contexts is that we love discussion, we love presentation, but application uh, was missing. And that was what people needed most was okay. to say, okay, how does this matter for me tomorrow? And especially in a small church setting, if it doesn't play on Thursday or Monday, the next day after you're teaching or Saturday, if you have a Friday night thing, then uh, students are going to check out. So help them take what you're teaching and put it into practice. That means I, the activity isn't me talking more. Uh, it's, it's, um, them doing stuff, you know, it's, it's maybe hands-on, it's small group, it's uh, react cards where they write something down where they're starting to make a plan. Okay. Okay. So with, with this application, how would you, it seems like there's sort of two ways to do lessons in youth group. One seems like it's kind of hardcore and a little bit like intellectual. And I think a lot of seminarians are sort of inclined that way as they graduate. And the other style is like a lot of curriculums. It's super topical. And like one month will be on how do we deal with pain in our life? And the next month will be on how do we deal with bullies? And, you know, do you see what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So how so, you... I mean, the fundamental. Well, the issue there is, uh, so the seminarians often would say, what's your text? You know, what's your scripture? And does the theology drive the teaching? Uh And the second one uh, approach is, what are my people experiencing and how do I apply that? uh, How do I help scripture connect? Both of them are okay. And I don't think one's better than the other, but I think you need to be able to do both. And to me, the fundamental teaching practice that's going to invigorate the teaching of people in the small church is their ability to listen to students between their lessons. It's not what happens on Wednesday or Sunday nights or mornings. It's the ability to build relationships with teenagers so that you can take the, you know, the hand of God or the truth of scripture and connect it to their life. It's like a split rail fence, right? There's lived life relationships and the content, the scripture, and you're connecting the two. And I think that uh, a person, an effective teacher, and Jesus models this, he sometimes started with the Old Testament. He sometimes started with the relationship and the context. And, and But he got to the middle where the two of them meet, where the, the theological application happened. You know, the woman at the well or the Pharisees. And often it's dependent on his, his audience, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where he started in that. So I think that um, start with either end, it'll change maybe month to month, week to yeah. week, and then you can meet uh in the middle and make the make the connection okay so those are okay well and so i mean there's a there's a a real helpful question here i think that that may go at this a little a little better and you can write this down and then uh, it's it helps with thinking about your lesson plan okay okay and and the reality is Stephen, most of us pick up curriculum 
as a starting point out there. We our church, you know, invest in different things. I write curriculum, so I know a lot of people use talk sheets. There's Orange. There's other download youth ministry. There's other dynamics out there. The, the denominational resources. But as you do, um, I think that you don't necessarily start there to be an effective teacher. But you ask this question. Sorry, as okay. a long introduction. <laughs> Why should these people dive into this lesson with me right now? Why should these people and these people you put in? So that would be you have to think through who are who are these people? Are they junior hires? Are they high schoolers? You know, why should these people? Is it you know even uh, adults? You know, why should dive into this lesson and then this lesson is in brackets because that's the content there and that's what you were talking about earlier. You know, is it uh, is it a scriptural thing I'm teaching? Is it a topical thing like hurt and then so forth? And then the with me is how is my relationship with these people? And that's all often where we, we miss the boat. If we're not spending time with students outside of our teaching times, we're not going to have any sort of relationship with them and it, it won't matter. And then the right now is the bra- last set you bracket at the end. And that's thinking through, okay, what's happening right now? So in the middle of winter here, you're in so- Southern California, we're yeah. in, uh, in the middle of a blizzard right now. You know, <laughs> February's hard in the Midwest. And so often we talk about uh, hurt and pain, uh, depression, and of course Valentine's Day coming up. We talk about love. There are some things that are in the rhythms of everyday life. Jesus did this too with people. You know, as they worked in and out of things, he he's able to to make connections with that. And so, especially in a small church, small youth group setting, where you you know your teens well, you know them all well. Usually, um, there's things happening in the community where you can make strong applications. So, working through that question is really helpful. Okay. So that's, so let me, let me see if I can summarize this well. You're, you say we should think in sevens. We should start out by knowing what our goal is. And in particular ask, uh, why should these people dive into this lesson with me right here, right now? And then, uh, at the end, you want to make sure you leave time for application. But yeah, because the, the students are asking, so what inside, they may not say that to you, but as you're teaching them, they're wanting to know that's their that's their gap, right? You're you're presenting this thing, you're talking about the beatitudes. Well, so what? You know, you've got to help them connect it. So that's why that final seven minutes is a great uh, has great importance. Okay. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's it's an easy thing to do. There, there's not it's not hard. You could just do divide up into twos and threes and have them interpret to each other what they heard you say and then report back it's the and then you'll learn yeah oh i I, you know you'll learn oh i really hit home or they'll take it somewhere where you'll learn from them i mean that's a really cool dynamic when you're learning from your students uh, as well or they'll uh you'll find out you missed it a little bit and then you may want to go a different direction i always like having something uh in my hip pocket too two things a game and then a teaching device and so sometimes i like to do warm-up games to get the group doing stuff. And so I have an old group book called No Supplies Required that actually fits in my hip pocket. And I usually pick out one or two activities in there that uh, are applicable, that if something's, if the group's just feeling weird and we want to do something. um, I inherited a small church youth ministry once, and for the first four or five months, uh, they were hurting. They had been without a youth leader for two years. And we just did group building games, initiative exercise, just to build an identity. Uh, That's one thing. And the other thing I have in my hip pocket is uh, an extra... uh, 
teaching device. Uh, it can be a discussion or a role play uh, or something that if I feel like we're not hitting home, then I can bring that out and say, hey, let me illustrate this further. And you, know, you bring up two people and, hey, act out this situation. And um, it takes a lot of preparation. I mean, that's the the thing but the cool thing is as you build a library of these things up you know two or three years down the road you can reuse them again or you keep them keep a file system in place it's helpful yeah yeah i've noticed people that uh have been youth leaders a lot longer than i have they seem to be able to just pull stuff off the top of their head it's because they've been doing it for years yeah yeah it's a nice thing uh the church where i was at i've been gone 17 years now outside of uh, full-time ministry. I've been a volunteer since, uh, but there are people there still volunteering, uh, and they were volunteering during my tenure there. So over two decades of volunteering and leadership, those people are, you know, have a wealth of knowledge and ability too. So that's, that's, uh, that's fun. I do like the idea of this, you know, of being able to learn to ask good questions. And so that could be something in your hip pocket too, as well, where you just think ahead, you know, I'm going in, like if I lead a discussion, I have six main questions I'm going to use. And then I have two for a wrap up and I don't use all six. Uh, I don't, necessarily use both of the wrap-up so that's good and then i have two extras in my hip pocket one's a starter and one's you know kind of a lightweight question if i feel like we're not getting into the topic well let me illustrate here's another question what do you think about this and then i have a, a more serious question too so i have a little index card and i have the six plus two plus two um those those things are helpful it seems like a lot of what you're talking about with questions and a lot of the stuff you've talked about is really just helping youth uh think through think through what's going on that you're kind of trying to nudge them to think. Oh yeah. Well, that's the, that's the thing. And, and not just think, but talk, think of all the, the issues with Christian Smith's research, uh, you know, soul searching and then sticky faith out of Fuller with Kara and Brad and the gang there, you know, they, they just are talking about that. Often students are never forced to talk about what they believe until they get out of high school or they don't know how to think. So when they get the hard questions after high school in the youth group, they can't stand. And so we have to change our teaching from just a 30 minute, like a sermon. You know, we, we, we get up and we do choruses and worship stuff for 20 minutes and then someone talks for 30 and then we, we dismiss or whatever. And, and I, I just think that's, that's, that that's not as uh, helpful uh, if we want to develop some resilience, it's like we want students to, li- you know, if you want to grow, you have to lift weights, see if we get stronger. So right. what does lifting weights look like in learning? It doesn't look like sitting there and just, you know, zoning out while I talk on and on. We right. got to get them talk thinking. That's great stuff. Um, Terry, what are some of your favorite youth ministry resources, blogs, books, podcasts, oh, conferences? Wow. Well, well, um, interesting. What are my favorite youth ministries? So, um, you know, this is an interesting, uh, I've seen some Facebook discussions on this topic over the last week or two, because there are more and more youth ministry conferences developing. And um, I'm uh, a little, being a little older, I've got a little longer perspective on this. For me, the uh, here's what I, here's what I recommend to people. Find the conference, uh, it's if we're talking conferences, start with find the conference that's in your tribe, your niche, whatever it is, denominationally, uh, contextually, and all that stuff. And then I think the other thing is that youth specialties has stood the test of time, and it's more than a tribe. For me, that is 
been interesting to watch over the last 10 years that it's become kind of the big tent, the gathering spot for the youth ministry world. There are people that show up there that aren't even doing a seminar and they just want to show up because everybody else is there. And I've found that to be true in the last three years. The national convention has been uh, fantastic. So I think for me, going to YS is a, is a non-negotiable in my life. And then I have a couple of other conferences related to what I do that I attend uh, there. And I think that's a great uh, one, too. Um, another resource that I like is, uh, the, so the Youth Specialties blog is good because it's, a, it's got a wider one. Um, Doug Franklin and Leader Treks in, out of Chicago area, uh, Treks being T-R-E-K-S, they are growing and they're rock solid. And anything that Doug and Angie Franklin are putting down, I'm picking up because I just think they're developing people in really special ways and their future is brighter as it goes ahead. Um, of course, uh, Download Youth Ministry has been a helpful resource as well. And um, and then um, I think that um, one of the bloggers I like, and she's really consistent, is Jen Bradbury, who has ymjen.com. And particularly for those who are at smaller churches, her stuff is going to be just resonate every, in every week. And she brings it every week on a blog and really thoughtful. She wrote the book, The Jesus Gap, yeah. which is a nationwide study she did about Christology and youth ministry, but um, more than just the, the academic side, which she can hold her own there, uh, she also writes in a very uh, practical way. So uh, I love that. And there are numerous youth ministry podcasts uh, as well, but um, um, you, you have that. Plus, I made a pitch for my book, Teaching the Next Generation. And I also have a book that I think would be helpful for volunteer teams to use if you're a, at a church and you, you have a volunteer team uh, and okay. you just want to grow your people. Okay. Uh, my latest book called The Self-Aware Leader from Ivy Press has been uh, used by teams, even with student leaders in high school, seniors. Uh, um, and you can get that at terrylindhart.com slash aware. And um, it's in its third printing already. And hasn't been out just a year, so a lot of people are, are finding that to be super helpful with their uh, volunteers if they want to help them grow. Oh yeah, that's great. Third printing already. Yeah, well, it sounds lofty. It's true. It's good. That it's in the third printing. It may mean that they didn't expect it to do well, but uh, <laughs> but it's uh, no, they, it's going well. It's picking up momentum, so that's kind of fun. Cool. Um. Where can uh, where can people keep up with you on the internet? Yeah, super. Thank you. So um, so I'm on Twitter a lot at Terry Linhart L I N H A R T. Um, also, um, I have a website terrylinhart.com that they can go to. Uh, of course, my podcast is thirty seven. That's three seven. The numbers thepodcast.com. They can go there. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere. And uh, you know some of the things that I do. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things I do. I've, I've got a this. I didn't ask to do this. Uh, I was kind of used to chuckle at people that wanted to be consultants, but I'm, because of my role at the college, I'm doing more and more uh, coaching. But I still do a lot of coaching with youth leaders, and I have some one-month intensives that I'm going to be um, be on the website, terrylinhart.com slash coaching, and I'd be happy if people are feeling like they're in a the transition, they're unsure. You know, uh, I, in spite of all the other stuff I do, I still try to do some that are affordable for those of us in ministry. Beautiful. All right, Terry, thank you. I think this is really helpful. I mean, these are great concrete tips. They're probably hard to implement tomorrow, but it gives us a pretty clear sense of what we should be aiming at and how we can be yeah. more effective. 
Yeah, I wanted to also, I forgot to mention that I do, I can do like one day Saturday f- seminars for churches of all sizes. Usually if it's smaller churches, it'd be good to have multiple churches together okay. if we have, uh, just for all the costs involved. Uh, but these are teaching matters seminars where I come in and do uh, some seminars, work with people and uh there's some custom design there on methods and different age levels and so forth. But if, if uh, it used to be more of a thing, I think it's coming back now where churches have expressed interest in this. So i uh, happy to do that too. People can just connect with me at terrylinhart.com and we can talk more about what that looks like uh, Saturday workshop at your church. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks for your time. Thanks, Stephen. Terry had a few great tips. One of those was just to know your goal. I see this regularly, and I'm confident I make this mistake regularly. You teach something, but you lose track of the goal. You forget what you're trying to accomplish. And because of that, you do something, you probably do something that's like good, but it it isn't what you intended to teach. Since you probably intended to teach that thing for a reason, you probably missed an opportunity to do something really great. Also, knowing your goal helps you focus. This is one of the advantages of having a goal instead of a theme. A theme lets you dance around a subject and potentially say some great stuff, but a theme is simply not as effective at helping young people integrate ideas as a goal. Of course, that's not to say that themes are bad. Sometimes you can break a theme into a series of goals, but you still need to know your concrete goal so that you aim at it and support it. For me, the most important big picture thing Terry was said was this, an effective teacher is able to figure out what question the youth are asking. And then, uh, and then Terry gave a few insights into how to do this well. One of Terry's insights is that what makes you a great teacher is your ability to connect to youth through the week so you can hear the questions they're asking. And then you can try and help them wrestle with those questions during youth group. Curriculum is awesome, he says, but you want to use that to answer questions that youth are asking. What question are youth asking? Find curriculum that fits that question. And then help them answer this. How does this matter for me tomorrow? I also appreciated Terry's insistence on beefing up the application portion of our discussions. In fact, that really connects to one of the questions youth are asking. How does this Uh, How does this matter for me tomorrow? Most of us have probably noticed that it helps people to work through why an idea matters in my life. And I'm glad that Terry spent some time nudging us to do this more effectively. It's a tragedy that the part of our lesson that most helps youth integrate and remember an idea, the application portion, is often the portion of our lesson that gets shortchanged. It's typically the thing that comes at the end, and so it gets cut if anything gets cut. Now remember, you can't possibly change everything you're doing overnight, right? You heard some good ideas from Terry. Maybe that sparked some good ideas in your mind. Uh, But you can't change everything overnight. That's just not reasonable, and trying to do that is just going to stress you out and uh, make your life difficult. Find one or two ideas from what Terry said and figure out how to use that stuff in your youth program. All right, folks, that's it. Next week, we're interviewing Jen Bradbury, who is really smart and has written a few great books on youth ministry. However, we're talking to her about one specific thing. 
She wrote a blog post a while ago that basically argued most youth workers should be using curriculum a lot more than they are. So we're going to talk to her about that and how to use curriculum well. Uh, it dovetails really nicely with today's interview with Terry Lenhart. The two conversations complement each other really well. I hope that that proves to be helpful for you. Hey, listen, uh, would you review us on iTunes if you like what we're doing? And uh, pass, the, pass around word about what's going on over here at Youth Ministry Small Church. The more we get word out, the more we're able to help small church people. All right, see you next week. Thank you.